For those who've noticed, I've taken a little bit of a break from social media. It's not a little bit of a break. I'm not going to be on there for the next seven days. Uh, So from the time of the release of this episode, I'm not going to be active on Instagram at all. In fact, I just deleted it off my phone. Um, I'm taking the advice of a friend and one of my advisors who said I should take a break or suggested I take a break, um, given just how this past week has gone for me. Um, a lot has happened. I'm feeling triggered isn't the word. It's more activated, challenged. Those are two words that really resonate with me. Um, and before I get into all of that, like I want to set a very hard boundary that I am calling out any perpetuation of racism and any upholding of the status quo behaviors that I see. When I normally open up my Facebook feed or social media feed, something will come up that's some questionable posting that'll maybe make you like turn an eye or make one of those side faces, you know, and be like, huh? And today uh, was just different. Um, I saw someone just share something. They didn't put context, but there was nothing bad that they said. And I think that this is what's so dangerous about when we see things and we just kind of turn the other cheek or we'll be like, oh, that's just so-and-so. That's how they are. Like being controversial in a way that isn't inspiring action, but just more so instigating situations, you know, just adding fuel to the fire. We're in a very hostile, thick tension, political atmosphere. And so for someone to articulate or even just uplift and promote something that is clearly ignorant or racist, especially against black people. Like it said, if you don't want to get shot, don't resist arrest. And that's what the post said. And he just posted it. (laughs) And that was that. And you read through the comments and I made sure to do this because I'm not the kind of person who just will blatantly attack a person. Um, In fact, oftentimes I've just historically not said anything at all. Um, but now I'm, I'm tired. I'm beyond angry. I'm beyond enraged. Like, um, I'm numb to it now. And I'm at a point where I just really don't give a fuck. So he made this shareable. I shared it, said what I needed to say, which is that this is the kind of shit that is worse for the problem, in my opinion. And this is just my opinion. I would rather know someone's racist than for them to like verify, justify, the the something along the lines of like the law oh i support the law the law is unfucking fairly created in the ways that it is and disproportionately impacts communities of people of color period and so when you try to maintain mutuality and not be non-confrontational by justifying your 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 mutuality <laughs> that's that's worse and I'll, I'll go into why that's worse uh as i go in through this but i just want to give y'all a heads up like i don't care who you are if i've worked with you in the past if we've been on a podcast with one another if i see you post some shit i'm going to share it and then i'm going to say whatever it is and whatever you have to say in me in dms you need to say on the comments because i'm just going to screenshot the shit and put it in the comments now for however long like i feared like losing employment opportunities, losing money, losing clients. I'm past that now. 
Like none of that shit matters. I don't I don't need that anymore. I don't want to take the money of someone who is not a good person. You know, you don't even really have to be a good person, like just to be empathetic and understanding and sensitive to the issues that are happening in the world right now that are affecting people who fucking look like me, you know? Um, and it's it's just wrong. And I, I can't I just can't continue to like keep this in or act like everything's okay because it's those people that don't get called out, the people who are riding the fence or remaining neutral or who um, say, well, I didn't say anything. I'm not saying anything bad or good. Y'all are the problem because these are the kinds of people who don't get involved at all. And again, this is this is going to just tie into um, what we talk about at the end of this. But wanted to just make that known right here, right now at the beginning uh, because that's important to me right now to get out there. That all said, welcome to Something Positive for Positive People. I'm your host, Courtney Brain. Something Positive for Positive People features the experiences of people who are living with or affected by herpes primarily and assisting them in navigating the, sy- or navigating the system, navigating the stigma from diagnosis to disclosure. This is also a 501c3 nonprofit organization that can be donated to. Um, And what we're doing is right now we have five people enrolled in therapy services. Um, We've got 12 sessions per person uh, to meet with a sex positive counselor who they're going to talk to uh, specifically about their herpes diagnosis. And over the course of the next 12 weeks, we're going to get information back from these people about, you know, what they got out of it and, Um, create some kind of a survey to see how we can make this more useful and accessible and present it in a way that is going to hopefully get us a lot more funding so we can do this outside of just Missouri because that's where our partner therapist is licensed at. So if you want to donate or get involved at all or if you need services and as of right now we can only provide services to people who are in Missouri, you can visit www.spfpp.org. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't know where I was. I don't know what else I was gonna add to that. It's on the homepage, and options to donate are via Venmo and PayPal when you go to the homepage. All right, getting into this podcast episode. Um, this isn't exclusively about herpes, but it will be tied in once I get to the end, along with um, how I talked about being um, remaining neutral or being non-confrontational. All of this is going to tie in at the end, so just bear with me. I took notes this episode, and I mentioned not really wanting or liking to take notes because I go all over the place, or I don't use them anyway, but I'm going to be as concise as I can here because I only got 59 minutes uh, given what this new podcast recording app allows for, and everything that I've written down um, I think is in a good order. So... um, over the last week, I mentioned that it's just been it's been challenging, um, not necessarily negatively or positively, but just challenging, period, because I'm at a growth point in my life right now. I am living out the manifestation of things that I said that I was going to do, and I'm doing them now like it's here. It's not in manifestation. It's not in my thoughts. It's not in uh, conversations with people like it's real. I said three and a half years ago, I want to help people who are struggling with the herpes stigma to get therapy. And I can tangibly count the number of 
Venmos that I've sent in order to pay for people to get therapy. And it's here, it's real. And what's challenging is not fucking that up. And so uh, I want to begin here with, I finished the book Boundaries by, uh, I don't have it here in front of me. But uh, the title of the book is Boundaries. It's got a red and white cover, uh, cover to it. And the word boundarylessness came up. And what it does is it enables others to harm themselves and their loved ones. And I interpret this shortly as self-apathy. People who don't have boundaries are self-apathetic, like they're apathetic to themselves. They uh, don't necessarily stand for anything. They're non-confrontational. Um, these are people who don't, you, you can't really connect with. It's almost like being, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Because it's not, it's almost like being transparent in a way that people just simply cannot connect with you. And when I say transparent in a way that aligns with my values, like I'm talking about being transparent in my thoughts, my actions, my behaviors, my beliefs, that's transparency in that sense. But here in this sense, when we talk about being self-apathetic, you know, you're impossible to connect with. And I think that it's really, it's really interesting to me uh, how that word can be used in both of these instances. Like no one can connect with a self-apathetic person. These are the people who might be too nice, yes men or women or people um, who are just go with the flow, whatever the situation is. And you, you, you can't connect with a person like that because they're not themselves. Their identities, our identities, because I definitely resonate with this, are centered around whatever we're associated with at that point in time in our lives. And um, that... That that hit me hard as I read this book. And so uh, looking at boundarylessness and after having read the book, looking at what boundaries are, they demonstrate love. They demonstrate respect. They teach others exactly how to love us and how they can be loved by us by honoring our boundaries. And... Uh, I happen to have some friends who have very strong, firm boundaries that they have in place. And these boundaries may, to some people, to boundaryless people or to people who um, have no understanding of boundaries, this may seem like a person's mean or they're aggressive or they're prude or stuck up or something. But to me, what this says is that this person knows their, their, their love language. They know how to be loved. They know how they can love and they know how they, they want people to love them. And that's what it says to me um, after reading throughout this entire book. Like I just had so many aha moments for myself in relation to my life and how I've just been boundaryless for so long. And where that even started, like I'm able to trace it back to the earliest origins of recognizing my boundarylessness and how I upheld my boundarylessness through being transparent in the negative way. Let's call it lowercase t, transparent, to where people can't connect with me. They don't know what I want. They don't know what I need. And um, even when I, I had the conversation with my dad that I've referenced in a 
older episode, he said it seemed like I didn't need anything. And I think that a person with boundaries, with a person with boundaries, they it's easier to identify what it is that they need, whether they tell you or not. And at the very minimum, what they need is for you to honor their boundaries. And that's how you can demonstrate what someone needs. So for me to have been needless to my father, my, my one of my providers, I've not had boundaries. I've not been able to actually receive or give love. And this book has really opened my eyes to that. I want to talk about how being boundaryless with herpes kind of goes hand in hand a little bit because I noticed that many people that I've spoken with, they don't necessarily see herpes as its own entity in relation to how it impacts us, uh, our beliefs, our behaviors, our mental, emotional health. It almost seems to highlight something that was already there. And typically, it revolves around boundaries for a lot of us. And herpes has, it makes us put in the boundaries. To give you some examples of having this to disclose, you now are filtering people into your life that you're wondering if you can tell them. If you are someone that uh, is interested in being intimate with someone physically and putting them at risk, you now have to set the boundary of having a conversation around sexual health. You have to set boundaries around the kind of person that you're going to go for. Even if your boundaries are strict or if they're loose boundaries, it's important to be able to have them. So what herpes essentially does for us by default is if we are, in fact, ethical people, we value choice for ourselves and other people, then we're going to have the boundary of always disclosing. So that's one example and then, um, as it as I mentioned, that herpes highlights things that were already there. So essentially, a lot of cases like boundarylessness was there. So if you're someone who has regrets about having slept with the person who might have put you at risk for herpes, then your boundaries moving forward are going to be to be intimate with people you value, who value you. And if you have boundaries, you'll know that this person is or isn't compatible. It's a great compatibility test. For, for instance, you know, if you disclose to someone and they, uh, you disclose to them and they respond in the way that they respond, you get that response from them and you kind of see where their boundaries are and you see that you can, um, that this isn't someone or it is someone who will or won't respect your boundaries, right? So this helps us with identifying intentions from other people as well, just by having the this diagnosis. So that's a really good way to view herpes and to examine it and make it something useful. Like use this as an excuse, use this as a reason to create, establish, uh, uphold and set boundaries in your life. Right. And so as I look through the my experiences with my herpes diagnosis, I find it to be in my love life that I've been boundaryless. In my passion, I've been boundaryless. In my career, I've even been boundaryless. And it's impacted me. Like I can trace it back to all these situations of being a yes man at work, being a yes man in relationships, 
being a yes man and my passion, like stretching myself super thin all the time and just wanting to just be liked by everybody. And the kind of person who is liked by everybody that I am, um, I've given that part of me a name that I've come up with in therapy. Now, I'm going to go ahead and drop this in here. If you are considering therapy, please, uh, you can support the podcast and support yourself by visiting www.betterhelp.org, betterhelp.com slash SPFPP, and you'll get 10% off your first month of services. So this next section really is going to sound like an ad, but I'm really going to just talk about my own experience uh, with my therapist that I connected with through BetterHelp. Um, again, that's www.betterhelp.com slash SPFPP. We get money to be able to help other people with getting therapy as well. Uh, so if you do decide to move forward, just know that you're not only helping yourself, but you're helping someone else as well. All right. So I've come up with lowercase Courtney and then there's caps lock Courtney or all caps Courtney, whichever one sounds fitting in the moment. I just mentioned, you know, like seeing boundaryless Courtney, who I will call lowercase C Courtney, lowercase Courtney, has trouble with emotional expression. And what ends up happening is that that emotional buildup becomes, it's already by default intense. I'm a Scorpio. I keep hearing people say that. So it must be something there, right? And this intensity just erupts due to me not releasing or expressing it. And the eruption looks like a breakup abruptly. It looks like quitting a job abruptly. It looks like me uh, leaving from a state city that I claim to have loved, that I was thriving in, and just impulsively making decisions that in the moment weren't the best ones that I could have made and not having boundaries led to the eruption that happened. And I've, I've learned through therapy and working with my therapist that I do, in fact, have a fear of success. I have a fear of success in my passion, my career, and in my love life. Um, I mentioned on another episode that I was in a situation where you know, everything was happening right. Like I courted someone from start to finish and then like got to the point of success and just didn't know what was next. Like I got there and just got complete anxiety around what was going on, you know, in the real world, because I talk about how I want to live, how I want to do things. And then I find myself in a position where I'm doing them, I'm doing them. And then I get to a certain point to where it's like, wait, this is real right now. And it just seems so unreal to me. I'm not responding to it in a way that a normal person should be able to. I should be able to handle the unknown once I'm there. But that's been a challenge for me. And then we talked about how now something positive for positive people There's five people in therapy. I put five people in therapy. And yet I'm here and the anxiety is at an all time high because I'm worried about how I'm going to fuck this up. And that's a real thing. And the the situation with 
relationships and my passion, they parallel one another. And those parallels stem from that whole feeling of uh, fear of success. And uh, one more thing happened over the weekend that uh, I'm going to share here is that I got to observe lowercase Courtney uh, at a funeral. I went to my great uncle's funeral last weekend and uh, he unfortunately passed away from COVID. And uh, when I was there, like I got to really observe myself and my family and I was very resistant to going to the funeral. I had every excuse. It's just like, ah, I need to work. If I don't work, I don't make money. Um, if I come, like, what's the likelihood of me passing COVID on to some of these people or getting it? Like, I made every possible excuse not to go. Going to this funeral was probably the best decision that I've made all 2020 because not only did I get to know my uncle and see a lot of the similarities that we had. Um, unfortunately, you know, we didn't get to really connect on those, but I, I got to know him. I got to know him through uh, the celebration of his life. And it felt like a church service. I ain't been to church in probably a dozen years, <laughs> but uh, it was nice. It was just very pleasant experience. And what I took away from it was seeing how my relatives process grief, how they grieve. Uh, my mom, for instance, we uh, we had some edibles before we went in. We were just like, ah, we don't like funerals. We all got anxiety. And so I know that my mom is a funny person. My mom has a great sense of humor and she uses her sense of humor often. This day, she was more humorous than usual, which I knew that this was kind of like an overcompensation of emotion that she was really feeling. Um, I noticed that uh, my cousin, the daughter of um, my uncle who passed away, um, she's very like angry because people were trying to just tell her what to do and everyone was just yelling for her to do this, be here, like trying to be there. And I noticed the, 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 the attitude, and I don't mean attitude in a bad way, but just like, oh, she, she's powerful, she's independent. And when she spoke, she spoke about her father, and she was so strong. She was just, she was up there, she was holding it together, she said everything she needed to say. And then after that, every, after she sat down, after everybody sat down, like everybody lost it. Uh, I sat next to my grandfather, and on the other side of him was my mom. Um, and my mom just lost it. So like people around me are just losing it and I'm sitting there and I'm like, just still. And I just, I hear myself like, don't cry here. Don't cry here. And I'm like telling myself things to keep myself from crying. And that's where, and this brings me back to the therapy thing. Like my therapist, he called it robot Courtney. But I think this was when I named it lowercase Courtney. Because what lowercase Courtney was doing was protecting me from expressing emotions because due to a childhood event, and I know exactly which ones, um, I never felt safe expressing emotions. And so 
we'll yeah we're gonna get to that next as well i i fortunately took notes because this is all gonna tie in in a way that actually makes sense and i'm not just rambling here but i i observed that i observed that i wanted to cry i was in a safe space to cry people were crying around me but lowercase courtney protected caps lock courtney from expressing his emotions and in turn potentially blocked off Caps Lock Courtney from that pain, from the feelings of grief, from the feelings of uh, being able to be connected to even, right? So these were the observations that I made at the funeral about just like seeing how different family members were coping and then being able to observe myself um, and my thoughts and being able to identify this robot Courtney that my therapist calls it, that we've now identified as lowercase Courtney. And that's what, that's one of the things that therapy has done for me is give a name to my habitual persona that self-sabotages because it's trying to protect me. If that makes sense, I really hope that makes sense. But like trying to protect ourselves sometimes looks like self-sabotage because what am I protecting myself from? I'm protecting myself from releasing emotions, expressing emotions. And what's happening in turn is I am doing something that is resisting connection because the emotional expression lays the foundation for us to be able to connect with people and be connected to and so in protecting myself, I'm self, I'm sabotaging myself from being connected to, um, granted we're in a pandemic, we're in COVID and it's a funeral, you know, people are still, I mean, everybody's wearing their masks, but like people still need to be comforted. People are still grieving. Um, and I shut myself down from that. Like that's what Lord KC Courtney uh, did and so through this particular situation and talking about this in therapy in combination with the next thing that I'm about to go into um, this is going to lead us to the whole <laughs> the, the the end of it where it all ties together so um, the next thing that happened my partner friend um, my friend I have sex with, we agreed that that's what we were, asked me, do you have feelings for me? And my heart dropped, not because I have feelings for her, not because I don't have feelings for her, but because of where my mind went, because my mind was blown at this question, because I immediately thought to the last time that I had feelings for someone and when I had feelings for someone was back in fucking seventh or eighth grade, like <laughs> this is how long I've been shut up. Like, y'all, I, I went to college and I didn't even kiss in college until like my junior year. Like I'd, I had sex. I just didn't kiss because I didn't want to have feelings for someone or someone else or for them to have feelings for me because that was painful. And the first time 
that I experienced that kind of pain was the last time that I experienced that kind of pain. Mind you, it was puppy love, whatever the hell you want to call it, but I thought I was getting married. <laughs> like, I thought we was going to get married. I thought this was going to be my my first sexual experience. That's what I thought, and it didn't happen that way. Um, So her asking me that, you know, I gave her an honest answer. I was just like, well, no, but, like, what does having feelings for you look like? Because to me, what it represents is attachment, and I haven't been attached to a partner since probably seventh grade and that was like i remember crying my fucking eyes out <laughs> um her mom i don't think they listen to this but if they do you know hey hit me up uh her mom always calls me on my birthday still like that's to give you an idea like yeah you say seventh grade oh you were young that's you should have been over that by now but like no this was and her mom knows how hurt I was because she still reaches out to me once a year um, and just wishes me a happy birthday. And it's always a very, it's just pleasant. It's just pleasant to talk to her and say, hey. But um, I believe that that's very well, that very well experience has to do with either the birth or maturation of lower caps Courtney because I expressed feelings at that point in time and it hurt. And those feelings that were expressed were feelings of loss, pain, despair, um, loneliness. <laughs> and did I mention loss? <laughs> that was the last time. And on all my dating profiles, I have, have had, and, um, I even tell people like how emotionally available I am. I have this seemingly infinite emotional capacity to be whatever people need me to be in the moment. And that's bullshit after having reflected on this past week and doing my journaling and doing my processing. Um, I'm not emotionally available. I am more accurately emotionally numb and not just due to that experience, but like backtracking from funeral to um, being asked this question to recalling the childhood traumatic events that showed me that expressing emotions weren't safe. I'm not emotionally available. <laughs> and uh, as I process this, like this is something that I understand I got to work on um, in being able to express that emotion. Um and this, this ties into the next thing that we're going to. I'm really proud of myself for being able to stay on task and like how I took these notes. Because I just kind of wrote down what I needed to say and then just numbered it. So down the list, it's four, five, two, three, six, one. So I'm having to jump around a little bit in my notes here. Um, yes, I'm emotionally unavailable. I, and that's what I look for in partners. I look for that emotional unavailability as well. Um, because it's safe, uh, childhood trauma, and um, I don't know that it's really relevant that I bring that up here, but um, it's it's got to do with just not being safe to express emotions. Uh, my neighbor just got here, and he just walked his dog, so they're going to go upstairs. It's a big-ass dog, so you're going to hear some dog running around above me for a few minutes before it just chills. Uh, bear with me through that. So um, 
despite my emotional unavailability, I do know what I want as far as in relationships go. I just don't know what it looks like. And I know how important freedom is to me. And I was thinking to myself, you know, perhaps I'm attached to freedom and how it looks in relation to being able to do whatever I want with whoever I want, whenever I want. And this is why non-monogamy is so appealing to me. But what happens if I'm shown freedom by someone who fucking sweeps me off my feet in a way that I could never have imagined? And it just looks like something completely different. Maybe it looks like someone just seeing me for who I am and embracing me in all my intensity that I try to hide. Like someone who sees cap- lowercase Courtney and is like, no, nah, that ain't, this ain't what it do. We ain't, we ain't fucking with that. I want caps lock Courtney. I want caps lock Courtney all the time. Caps lock Courtney is who wants to be seen, who wants to be experienced, who wants to uh, be swept off his feet. But lowercase Courtney continues to protect Caps Lock Courtney. And just being seen, like how powerful that is, like to be as simple as that, like why is it that the thing that it takes to sweep someone off? Being seen is the thing that is so hard. It's really challenging for you to find, you know? Um. I've never had that. I've never had the freedom to be myself. Like, I almost cried in fucking therapy yesterday. Because when my therapist said, he said, it's okay for you to be yourself. Even if you mess up, it'll be all right. He said that. And I was like, I feel myself about to cry. I'm not going to, but I feel it. I recognize it. And I was just like, fuck that. And, and, you know, I let him know this. And he was just like, well, maybe you need to tell yourself that more. You know, even if you fuck up, it'll be all right. You can handle it. And I have nothing but proof that after all my fuck ups, I've handled it. I'm still here. I have more proof that I can handle things than I don't. I'm not able to handle things. Worse situations that I've been in as far as I mean, shit, I just had chlamydia. I have herpes. I have lost people. I've lost jobs, <laughs> I've lost friends, I lost relationships, I've lost, I've experienced a lot of loss, I experienced a lot of negativity, um, someone asked me, Courtney, how do you stay so positive all the time, and I, Courtney, caps lock, Courtney, wanted to be like, dude, I'm not, I'm fucking negative as shit, I'm always looking at things like, how is this gonna go wrong, where is this gonna fuck up, when is this gonna be fucked up, so that I'm prepared for it, so I'm always in this state of like, negativity and react to it in a way that I guess is perceived as positive like the way that things come out um, are as a conscious choice of me not to allow the negativity to continue or take over so this is just how I am you know in my head y'all won't see it I don't want to show that to y'all but lowercase Courtney has to give up the rain sometimes caps lock Courtney is gonna if lowercase Courtney continues to take things over caps lock Courtney is gonna be the one to fuck this all up like out of an explosion like I said I've left jobs I've left relationships 
I've, I've quit things <laughs> because of that intense eruption that has taken place. Um, I don't feel like that's where I'm at now uh, because I'm aware. Now that I'm aware, I can have my releases. I can have my boundaries. Going back to that, uh, I can put my boundaries in place that allow for me to take care of myself and be able to express my emotions, express myself. And that's what this is for me right now. Um, as we talk about this, uh, lowercase Courtney repressing and protecting caps lock Courtney's emotions. And from that pain, like I'm also protected from experiencing joy. You know, all of this stuff is connected. I mentioned my dad issue of when I get excited, I expect to be disappointed. And even that just comes from not having boundaries. And even like with that, if I'm not experiencing disappointment, I'm also not experiencing excitement. So this goes back to the numbness that I, re I referenced here and just how being emotionally numb has just been something that I've done to get by and survive. And this has been such an experience for me um, because it's challenging to have this realization because now I have to I have to act accordingly. I can't let myself just do what I've been doing. I now I, I see when lowercase Courtney is stepping up and when he's showing up and doing what he's doing and I have to consciously press the pause button and then decide that I'm going to do something different. Whatever that something different is, you know, it could be just the complete opposite or it could be something like what I would have done, but more mindfully, more consciously with a little bit of emotion injected into it and feeling because I'm 31 years old. I'm about to be 32 November 10th. And I'm a grown ass man who has emotions. And the less I express it, the more I'm going to disconnect from people. And as a person who values connection over everything else, that just don't make sense. I value freedom. I value connection. I'm waiting to be swept off my feet by somebody who's going to connect with me by giving me my freedom in a way that I've never experienced before. How am I going to do that if lowercase Courtney is self-sabotaging by protecting my emotions? And this shit's intense. Like, it, it really is. Because when I do have it, like, I've scared people away. <laughs> Y'all think I'm vulnerable on these podcasts. Or I make people vulnerable on these podcasts. Like, the guests who share and then decide not to allow me to post the episodes. We get vulnerable. We get deep. I have those experiences in my head. Unfortunately, I can't share with y'all, but these have been some really vulnerable conversations. Um, even in my love life, I've scared people off who can't handle the intensity of this, this, invulnerabil this vulnerability. And those rejections have kind of hit me in a way too to make me think that it's not safe for me to be who I am. It's not safe for me to be emotionally intense. It's not as safe for me to express that shit. And then there are people who wanted from me and I just can't give it to them <laughs> right because lowercase Courtney is protecting caps lock Courtney from pain from getting connected and close and then experiencing loss like I can't tell you how many times like I've extended vulnerability and have it just not received not reciprocated not observed and that hurts like that causes me to withdraw and so like 
this goes back to being boundaryless. You know, when you try to just connect with anybody who's who's special, who's sacred, what connections are actually valuable and valid, are any of them? So, like, if you continue to extend that emotional extension of yourself, you, you continue to put that out there in the same places and you're getting met with the same reaction, you, you got to do something different. And that's what Caps Lock Courtney is saying to That's what I'm saying to myself. But lowercase Courtney's like, no, don't do that. That's not safe. <laughs> it's not safe. <laughs> like, that's the voice that's in my head. It's literally two of us. And... I'm deciding to be Caps Lock Courtney, which I'm very proud of. But there's also a place for Laura Case Courtney. And that's uh, really what I really need to process right now. I think Laura Case Courtney needs boundaries in order to be effective, in order for Caps Lock Courtney to be free. Like, that's what these boundaries things do, y'all. They, they set the foundations for your freedom. So this can just look like not allowing yourself to talk to yourself a certain way, not allowing to be yourself to be talked to a certain way, not talking to other people a certain way. Like we set these boundaries and we show people, hey, here's what I need. Here's what you can give me. Here's how I can honor you. I love you. I respect you. Here's how you can love me, respect me so that we can be more free to just be. That's what that shit does. Highlighting herpes and my initial trauma. Um, throughout this, I mentioned emotional numbness and I mentioned my um, like early traumatic experience that I recall. I believe that lowercase c Courtney was created after an, an advance for emotional connection to my mom where I was met with a rejection. Um, my mom had me at a young age. She was young when she had me. And um, she, I, I can't imagine having had a, a toddler in my 20s. <laughs> and so I remember, you know, not just once, but a few times where she'd be like, like I'd come in there maybe for a hug or just to be up under my mom. And she'd be like, I'm on the phone, get out of here. You know, and just like, regardless of what the tone was, it just like, it was, it was very rejecting. And I remember feeling like always being there when my mom needed emotional support. So kid Courtney, let's say I was 10. I don't know. Let's say it started at 10. Had this narrative that I can receive emotion. Receiving emotion is love. Giving emotion is rejection or like that's not safe. So in order to survive, I need to be the kind of person who can take in all the emotion. But I can't give it out. I have to be selective in who I give it out. And that girl in seventh grade that I gave the emotion to, fuck that up for everybody. <laughs> right? Um, that That's where it started. Like, that's where lowercase Courtney was born. Lowercase Courtney has run my life from the time I was 10 and created this whole environment and space to where I'm with not, I guess maybe not emotionally unavailable women, but women who 
are in fact emotional and like I think that I know that they have partners who are un- are emotionally unavailable so they come to me aka like my mom did um I'm their emotional boyfriend and I get this shit like dumped on me on a regular basis and I take it because I can and that's because that's what I'm used to and then even with something positive for positive people like people come to me with very intense emotions and in an intense headspace and it's almost as if uh like I like that because it's what I wish I could do what I want to be able to do what doesn't feel safe for me to do um and I welcome that in, you know, like some people, like I got an email from a guy who just was talking about um, being suicidal and it was just, he just, he really went in and I was going to read the email um, on the podcast episode, but this, this wasn't the place for it. Not this episode. Uh, perhaps I'll share it on a future one, but receiving the emotional intensity from people like that's what this does. Me having herpes allowed for something to be created that fit the needs of 10 year old Courtney who you know mom dumps emotion onto Courtney Courtney can't do it back Courtney doesn't feel safe doing it back let me say that there have been times I got hugged my mom (laughs) my mom never like consistently rejected me I just remember these particular times better than I remember anything else um and it's just like even with this, like people come, they dump their emotions on me, they take what they need, and then they leave. And I've been okay with that. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm fine with that. Uh, I think that Caps Lock Courtney made an emergence in saying, "Hey, if you got any value out of this conversation, then leave a donation so that we can support someone else who really needs it by giving them therapy." So I get glimpses of Caps Lock Courtney, lowercase Courtney on a regular, on a consistent basis here. Um, And I'm really working hard to be Caps Lock Courtney, to be someone with boundaries, that someone, be someone that people can connect with, that there can be a mutual connection. People feel connected to me, but I feel like, I feel seen by, I can name like three people who I honestly believe know me because I've allowed them to, because like I've over time and experiences just felt safe with these people and never been emotionally neglected by them. So that's, oh wait, I'm supposed to talk about how herpes highlights the initial trauma. Yeah. So the development of something positive for positive people, um, and my herpes diagnosis, like my herpes diagnosis really brought that to surface because now it's amplified by infinity. So it's not just the relationship that I had as a kid with my mom. My mom and I have a great relationship now, by the way. There are a lot of times where that pattern is still repeated. Um, I'll talk to her about it um, once I have the right language and therapy because that's another thing is that I've not had the language before now, and I'm picking it up as I work through this with my therapist and uh, having my experiences and being able to observe lowercase Courtney, caps lock Courtney, um, throughout day-to-day life. But yeah, I mean, having herpes and, and 
really being able to see that looking at my relationships with women and how I'm essentially pursuing partners who don't want, who, who aren't able to handle my emotional intensity. And when people are able to handle my emotional intensity, I want to make them friends. I think that these are great people in my life and I value friendship over partnership because I've seen more lasting friendships and I have successful relationships. That's a whole nother podcast episode. Um, but yeah, I, I place a significant amount of value on the people that I call my friends. And so in the workplace, um, looking at how I create that same kind of environment to where, um, I'm needless. Don't pour your shit on me. I'm going to make it work. I'll make these deadlines. But then when I need help, it just seems like (laughs) it's nowhere to be found. That's been a pattern in corporate America for me. Like, I don't don't necessarily have that uh, now. And then with something positive for positive people, like I said, like, people contact me on a regular basis in some dark places, um, in some high places as well. But I'm welcoming that intensity from the place of 10-year-old Courtney. And this whole fantastic, wonderful, amazing thing has been created as a result of it. I am viewed as an amazing person as a result of it. But like looking at what Herpes is highlighting here for me, it's that. Like that. Looking at my emotions and how repressed they've been. And glimpses of this persona that I've created to protect my emotions is the very thing that's keeping me from getting what I want out of life. Connection. Freedom. That's the kind of stuff we need to look at. These are the kinds of things that we need to process. Herpes. Boundaries. Man. (laughs) I mentioned earlier that I took a week off of, I'm, I'm taking this week off of uh, social media. Um, it's needed. I'm going to still post this podcast episode uh, on time. Um, but yeah, this this is a lot for me to have to process and like I'm processing it. This is not something that has been processed. It's not in completion. This is where it is right now. And I got steps to take. I got work to do. I'm always going to have work to do. But understanding like that I have the ability to turn on this emotional numbness or a more accurate statement would be I struggle to turn off this emotional numbness and being able to make myself a person with boundaries, like being someone who people really can genuinely connect with. Being someone who can genuinely express my emotions to people. That's what's going to be needed if I'm going to take this to the next level. You know, 10-year-old Courtney responding to the needs of his mother and the situation that he was in at that point in time. uh, Doesn't apply here. Not anymore. And I think that that's probably been what's gifted me to this point to be able to have gotten something positive for positive people to where it is now. But if I'm going to keep it going, I got to be caps lock Courtney. Not just on this podcast, but in my day-to-day life as well. I'm doing some fucked up shit (laughs) behind the scenes. I'm doing some good shit behind the scenes. Um, But once you you become aware 
like you can't look back you can't unsee what it is that like harm you've caused or good that you've done you know and I'm I'm seeing all of that now from a bird eyes view of caps lock Courtney lowercase Courtney and the challenge here is deciding who I want to be what use am I gonna give the other persona because I mean I don't plan on just flat out killing it but <laughs> one of these has a purpose the other one doesn't um yeah that's that's it like I that's been my week um I thought that this was really good for me to get off my chest. And while I struggle to extend my emotions to real life people, I, th I look back and I think that something positive for positive people has in fact been my outlet for emotions. Like as numb as I may seem to be or as numb. That's how you know it's bedtime. Uh, I'm going to upload this and then pass DF out. As emotionally numb as I am or seem to be, uh, I don't even know where I was going with that. Lost it. <laughs> but long story short, y'all, take have boundaries. You know, your herpes in itself comes with boundaries that you can or cannot implement. Whatever you choose to do, it's your decision. You do what you want to do, but understand that there are consequences. There are going to be consequences for um, being for taking away people's choice because that, that's not consensual. Uh, let's get checked.com slash. Uh, nope, nope, that's not the slash. Let's get checked.com. Let's get checked, period, <laughs> is an STI testing kit for at home. They also offer COVID tests. So um, if you're meeting someone new um, and you met them online, you want to meet in person. That's a good way for you to get this thing started. You can get STD test and you can get a COVID test sent to your house with 30% off when you go to www.trylogic.com slash SPFPP with no vowels. So that's T-R-Y-L-G-C.com slash SPFPP and you'll save 30% off your first at-home test kit. And for me, um, I got tested for... Uh, I got the full screening and I mentioned about how herpes can show up in your pee as reactive, non-reactive, which was new to me. So if you're someone who is dealing with your diagnosis and perhaps you're worried about shedding or you just want to see for yourself, you know, maybe you are having an outbreak or maybe you are feeling a tingling sensation and you just want to know if this is a time period where you're uh, shedding the virus in your urine or at the point of genital contact where the urine comes out, um, and just see what what happens, see what it says, because mine said non-reactive, so I don't really have any, like, I would love for that to have said reactive so that I could ask more questions about that, but uh, for me, it was just non-reactive, and so, um, if you go to www.tryLGC.com slash SPFPP, again, you'll save 30% off your first at-home test kit. And I believe there's still a drop down for you to enter the promo code. So uh, you can put SPFPP in at checkout as well, just to be sure. As I mentioned earlier in the podcast, Something Positive for Positive People is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that is paying for people to get therapy if they are struggling with stigma and live in the state of Missouri. For 
your support, you can go to www.spfbp.org and you can scroll down a little bit to see different options to donate. You can become a Patreon subscriber if you want to commit to making monthly donations. Um, if you want to make a one time, like I'm very easy to connect with. Um, and if you just, if that's not something that's in your price range and you want to just, um, leave a review for the podcast, or if you want to share it, I'm not going to be on social media this week. So when this episode comes out, you know, you can share it to whatever communities you're part of and belong to. If you found some value in it, because I found value in just talking through this myself and reading through it. Like my buddy, I mentioned um, Tyler, whose wedding I just went to. Congratulations, Tyler and Brent. Uh, he said to me, he was like, do you even listen to your own podcast? And it's not the first time it's been said. And I think uh, even my therapist mentioned it. So I'm, I'm working on that. I'm working on being that this person all the time. This is the person that's expressing emotions. The, the robot, the lowercase Courtney, is not in charge right now. Not in control. Caps lock Courtney is. And this is who I want to be. This is who I am. This is who I'm demonstrating out to the world. This is me putting out that signal for me to be swept off my feet. <laughs> for me to be successful here. For me to have boundaries and set these boundaries and uphold these boundaries. And for me to call out bullshit that I see on social media from people who claim to not be against. I'm not, I'm not, not against Black Lives Matter. I'm not, not against black people uh, dying. No, black people are being murdered by cops, by white cops, and there are not consequences being had. White cops are being trained that it's okay to shoot and kill someone with dark skin who doesn't look like them for whatever fucking reason they're choosing to. And I'm being taught that it's just not safe to have dark skin. So, let them marinate. If you decide that you want to navigate the fence there and say, oh, you know, the cops... Cops are the best thing that ever happened. No, <laughs> don't do that shit. You say things like that that demonstrate uh, like a, an avoidant neutrality, a mutuality. And if it's if it's public, I'm sharing that shit. I'll tag you in it. And if we have any further conversation, everybody gonna see it. But I'm not having any more discussion outside of what I have to say about it. And that's that's that. Like I'm putting my foot down there. Boundaries. All right, y'all, this concludes this episode of Something Positive for Positive People. Please like, rate, review, subscribe to, share this podcast episode if you found any value from it at all. I mentioned where you can go to donate, www.spfpp.org. And, um, yeah, thank you for listening. Thank you for uh, holding space for me and allowing me to get this out. And I hope that it really helps someone because my experiences, my stories, like, these are things that people are resonating with and I'm hoping to be able to do this more especially since interviewing is challenging and I want to get to a point where now I want to be interviewing people in person so we got a lot of great things coming up for something positive for positive people I was invited to kind of like a mini pride event to have a booth set up and be able to like tell people about the podcast tell people about the nonprofit. it's going to be in Asheville North Carolina I'm going to one of the herpes meetup events. It's going to be in Cincinnati in October. And I am going to be co-speaking with Ray from Positive Results on Instagram at Antioch University. Uh, that'll be in Seattle, Washington in 2021, hopefully. And um, 
Yeah, I'm supposed to go to New York in November. So, uh, yeah, lots of cheap travels during COVID, but I'm masking up and taking all the precautions, as you should as well. Till next time, stay sex positive.